0: is Jericho Baby Talk is Jericho come on, come on. Talk is Jericho Mama Talk is me. Okay so it's really kind of strange man uh right off the bat here with Lance Storm and this week is our thirtieth year anniversary in the wrestling business October 2nd, 1990, which is it's, it's unbelievable, man. What do you,
1: what do you think? It's crazy. Like, I, I remember thinking back then, cause people say it's like, you know, how long are you going to do this? And I'm like, you know, I can't imagine doing it past 40. And it's like, I'm a decade <laughs> past that now. I remember saying to you,
0: cause uh, we, we had said something like that. And I remember, I literally remember one time going, yeah, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'll probably do it till I'm about 30 or so, you know, and then <laughs> move on to the next phase. <laughs> 50 years old man and I'm still working and you still make you're you you're your living from the wrestling business in a, in a myriad of ways. Um you know it's funny cuz whenever um, if I you know I'm I'm fairly good friends with Paul Stanley at this point in time and, and I'm the type of guy that'll say hey happy anniversary of the crazy nights record it was 33 years ago or happy anniversary of kiss alive it was you know 40 46 years or 36 years or whatever it is. And I go, what what does that feel like to you? And he says, it it doesn't feel like 46 years. It feels like only yesterday, you know,
1: it it really does. Like if it wasn't for Twitter and people reminding me Mm -hmm. that this was 18 years ago or 20 years ago, it's like I'd never realized the date. But it's like, again, I, I still remember when we showed up at the Okotoks Inn. And you know you you remember I remember more details about the early stuff than I do about you know the stuff from a decade ago.
0: Yeah, it's something that a lot of people have said. Uh, and once again, referencing Kiss again, as Gene Simmons said, you know it's the early days that I remember the most because those are the days where you you knew you were you were going to make it, but you still never really knew for sure. You know there was no guarantees that what we were going to do would lead to you know worldwide. I don't even want to say worldwide fame, but to worldwide exposure, doing what we set out to do. And it's it's funny to think about those times. Like like you mentioned, showing up at the Willie on the first day or having this match that we're going to talk about. The whole world was ahead of us, but we didn't know for sure if that was the case. Well, that's, you know, you always hear everybody say it's
1: it's it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. And those first few years are the journey. Once you actually make the, you know, the big contract, the national television, it's like now you're at work, but all those milestones and stages along the way where you, you know, your first international trip, your first contract, your first booking, you know, just getting that first booking. It's like, I remember when we got our little envelope with our pay in it, it's like, I was officially a professional because I got paid to do this. (laughs) It's like, that was monumental. and It was like 30 bucks in an envelope.
0: Yeah, because and I, and we'll get to this obviously later on, but I remember that that was thirty bucks in the envelope, and I remember the last real job that I had was working at IGA grocery store in the deli, and I think I worked eight hours a week part time and and I'd get forty dollars for my check, five bucks an hour, and I remember thinking, holy shit, I just worked ten minutes for thirty bucks instead of eight hours for forty bucks, like I'm I'm rich. This is great. <laughs> I'm rich. I got 30 bucks. Well, let's I mean, like I said, we could talk about I think we've we've had podcasts before on our training and all that stuff, but we're focusing. We're going to do a two two-part series this week, legitimately for real, our first and second matches. And thankfully, thanks to you being the the, the pack rat that you are, uh and you always were, had both uh, both of these matches on video and both programs For the matches uh, in your possession. So we have all of this stuff here. This is like a treasure trove. Yeah, it was was really thanks to my mom
1: because I had sent, I think probably every couple of months, I'd send anything I had to my mom to probably just show her that I'm actually not a bum. It's like, (laughs) I'm working. Look, I'm somebody now. And she had put him in a binder. And I don't remember when, but not that long ago, probably five years ago now, she had given me the binder back and I'd thrown it in my uh, filing cabinet with all my other stuff that I've been collecting. Like you say, I'm a pack rat and I just came across the, the binder. I'm like, Oh my God, all of this stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. The, the craziness of those shows and just how both terrible they were, but so monumental in who we are now and our success. Like I'd never give up those memories and, and what we did for anything.
0: Well, everybody has, has to start somewhere. And one thing that, that, that we talked about earlier this week was – this is, this is not saying this with any type of ego, but we we were fairly good right off the bat for where we
1: were as, as far as the part of the country we were in who was available uh, right out of the gate. Yeah. And, and a lot of it – and it's, it's the thing that I harped on my students forever. It's we were in shape. We were good athletes that looked the part and you were always really big on costuming Mm. like that. I don't know if I would have been as diligent if not for your influence early, but it's like you got to dress the part. And I know both you and I, you more than me, but we were both big marks for the rockers. And the fact that they always had different gear, like they go, Oh, that's new. And Mm. we had that right at the beginning. It's like, we used to go to the fabric store and just look for cool fabric. So we looked professional and we were good athletes and by local standards we were good right out of the gate certainly not ready for live television but <laughs> but we were very quickly moved up the card to the top spot and more often than not the guys that put in the time
0: yeah i mean we were looking at some of the other programs you had i think it was june of 91 and keep in mind this is october 2nd of 90 so you know 8 months later you and i were working on top in calgary with every other guy in the city, on the card, Big Titan and and Doctor Luther and Brett Como, and we were on top. uh, Which eight months
1: in is a pretty, it's a, it's something to be pretty proud of, especially back in those days. Yeah, we were we were the the main event attraction match with Gama and Johnny Smith, like working with the Stampede veterans, right on top with other Stampede veterans working underneath us. It was. At the time, it was just, again, we're excited moving up, and you don't really think about where you've gotten. But in a short period of time, yeah, we accomplished a lot. Yeah. yeah
0: and once again, too, like this is, the, you know, we're laughing now because it's Chris Jericho and Lance Storm, whatever, whatever positions we hold in the business now. But we had no say in the matter. I mean, as ridiculous as that sounds, I mean, people should know, like, it wasn't, it, we were put in that position by the promoters, by the bookers. So they, and I'm sure we had, and, and probably completely unknown to us, had so much heat from all of the the Ron Richies of the world probably bearing us every mat every move that we made because we were working on top even though we were probably making the same
1: 50 bucks that they were making. Yeah, I, th- I think they were probably making 75 so we were <laughs> we weren't even getting paid for our top spot. But yeah, cuz you know Bulldog Bob Brown I think was the guy booking at the time and he didn't even particularly care for you. <laughs> no. So no, it's not didn't. like he was doing us favors.
0: You know, and it's funny cuz I'm doing a, a a book on the 30 years cuz as you know I kept a, a list of every match that I've ever had. Uh, starting with this one, and uh, on this night, I remember going back to the Palco's place and writing it down. I still have that piece of paper, and I'm doing a book, the complete list of Jericho, and I'm doing a bunch of top tens. And I had the top ten, you know, uh, top ten opponent in WWE in Japan and Mexico, and then I put top ten indie Canadian guys. and Bulldog Brown is on that list, and I said uh, I never had a good match with this guy, but I sure learned a lot about what to do, and more importantly, what not to do. To make it in in the business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, too. You know, it's the you learn as much from your losses as you do from your wins. And you learn as much from your bad matches, probably more so than you do from your good ones. Yes. And just having to deal with the backstage stuff that you had to deal with with Bob and the managing to try to still be you and have a good match while working with Bob. Mm -hmm. Because Bob wouldn't want either one of us to do anything and it's like but that's what we got hired to do right I mean it's the same
0: it's the same generational thing that that I probably went through you know when I first came to AEW as a matter of fact like I mean Bob Brown working knowing okay well these these two kids are good-looking guys they're athletically gifted they, they have some wherewithal about what wrestling's all about I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want to do, I don't want them to do anything, but I have to put myself in this match for, you know, who else am I going to work with? But he did not like us doing any of the stuff that made us good. (laughs) Yes. But, but I think
1: too, like you made the, you know, the AEW connection, but I I think too, that I think, and that's probably why you are the way you are and work with everybody still is the influence of Jerry Morrow, Johnny Smith and Gamma Singh who in that match you mentioned six months in tried to make us look good and work to our strengths yes. and they did their generation stuff, but were willing to step theirs up and adapt into ours. And those guys are, you know, allowed us to be us while teaching us rather than just yelling at us and telling us not to do what we were doing.
0: Yeah, it's exactly right. And my point before with AW is the same thing that I've done. I just finished 14 weeks with orange Cassidy, When I first saw Orange, I think you and I and Lazenby were like, look at this guy. What a piece of shit. And this sucks. And then when you're there, you start getting into, okay, here we are in 2020. Why is this guy so popular? It's because he's doing something completely different and created this whole world that no one else has done. And then you start realizing there's a lot of genius behind this idea. So much like I'm sure, like you mentioned with Johnny and Gamma, trying their best to incorporate their style with our high-flying style at the time it's the same thing that I do with the guys now. It's just that the high flyers now are like the flying will lend us times a million talent wise. And I still do my stupid little moonsault off the second rope. And that's all I got at this point, back in the day, <laughs> out of the shit.
1: <laughs> but right? it's, 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 it's the cycle of wrestling, right? We mm-hmm. were the, the young guys and now we're not, and you've got to stay with the times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And, Going back to to you know was this October second, so probably in July or August, and you mentioned us always going for for costumes and going to look at fabric, which we then take to to Karen Olson, the the mother of of Lenny Doctor Luther, who would make these great costumes. Which you know, I mean, they're, they're they're you look at them now and it's it's kind of funny, but at the time these were. The, the yellow and black, which I totally stole from the band Striper, but with the tassels on it, they look pretty, pretty killer, you know, it
1: was, it was a pretty good look right off the bat. Well, yeah, especially, you know, we didn't have these standard lightning bolts and stars of every other stampede <laughs> guy, but you know what, even those cheesy jackets that every once in a while, a photo will show up of, and people will make fun of us for them, but it's like, they stood out, mm-hmm. you know, there was costuming. And again, people make fun of my stupid blonde rat tail, but it's like, it was trying to stand out and be different and I always remembered it was a quote from Jimmy Hart I don't remember where I heard it or when but he was like if you're just going to look like the crowd you might as well go sit with them." yeah and it's like we always had gear and you know that this first match in October we got booked for it before camp ended so about a month ahead of time and it was like this was going to be our thing it's like we had to show up and, and produce and have gear and I again I had that ridiculous crazy hot pink singlet but it's like i'm gonna stand out yeah
0: and 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 we also had the matching yellow and black ones because remember the first promo shots we ever did and i just found it i i think there's one of the two of us wearing matching gear the yellow and black but I, i do you do you have that one it's probably in the filing cabinet if i searched got if you search for five minutes you can find it find it but if you can't don't worry about it but i found the one of me in the yellow and black, uh, and we did it in the in the Okotokes in the Willie, in the hotel room, <laughs> and you guys will see it. I'll post it with with this show. It's a blue blanket, yep, that we stuck on the wall, and it's it's so small that you can see the outlines of it within the frame of the photo. But at least we had a background. And then, you know, we I think you had to move the bed to the side and stand there with, you know, as, as look, trying to look as big as you can and take three or four pictures on a on a freaking, you know, Kodak camera. And that
1: was our promo shot that we used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Photoshop, no digital cameras. You have to get yeah. a Kodak disposable and get them developed. And then you have to choose
0: when you get them developed, and hopefully you'll cease to see one that you liked, or if you have to do it all over again. But um, And then there's the controversy, too, and we'll get into all this. We'll get into our names next. But do you remember the controversy of, of, of the boots, the first pair of wrestling boots we got? Let's talk about that.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I got the standard white, and and you wanted black. And Ed Langley, who you will see in the second match, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who ran the camp, Swore up and down that black boots meant you're a heel and you were going to be a baby face. And he just like didn't want to let you wear black boots. Like it was it was almost like you you, you needed to try to convince him to get permission to wear black boots. Yeah, he was he was adamant that if you are
0: a heel, uh, you wear black. And if you're a baby face and you're wearing black, people will boo you because baby faces wear white and heels wear black. And I was like, but Ed. Striper, yellow and black, man. It's got a black's got to match the the yellow, and he he was not having it. And I, I think it was one of those one of the little rifts in there. Why why you were always the the, the favored guy was because I had the audacity to go and keep my black boots because it matched my tights <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. You seem to manage to get over just fine. <laughs> yeah, but, then, but we went to a boot shop downtown Calgary, and now if you look at a wrestling boot, it's got the patent leather, which means it's shiny. These boots were made of like dull leather, like leather that you would make, oh, I don't know, like a like a, maybe a horse saddle with or something along those lines. Like it was it was
1: like it was dull, not polished and not not bright. Yeah, it was the soft leather that you actually had to take shoe polish to if you scuffed them, <laughs> and they were softer. And again, you can still get both kind, but most people like the patent leather because they're shiny and they don't scuff as much but yeah, and they, yeah. And
0: they kind of they're a little bit stiffer like you can put patent boots down and they're going to stand up where these ones kind of flop down a bit and i remember thinking well that's not cool either but you know <laughs> they, i got soggy boots the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble
1: So this match
0: was was started. We were in wrestling camp at the Hart Brothers. People would come, filter in and out. And one day we, we saw a guy in there. And, and I, I would say this to his face. He just passed away, I believe, this year. Bob, Bob Puppets was his name. And by the way, that's his real name. That's spelled P-U-P-E-T-T-Z. Puppets. Something like that. I don't know if it's Czechoslovakian or, or Ukrainian or whatever it is. But Bob Puppets. And he he looked like a janitor. Um, he actually looked, if anybody out there is, is a, is a horror movie fan, he looks like Mark Borchardt who did a movie called American movie. And Mark had big giant glasses, a beard and kind of a mullet hairstyle. And that was this guy, uh, that was watching our show. And I remember Ed Langley, we, we said, who is that guy? And he said, his name is Bob puppets. He's a promoter. And I remember thinking that guy's a promoter. Like, really? I thought like every promoter looked like Vince McMahon, even though we didn't know he was the promoter at the time. We thought every promoter looked like Jack Tunney, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that when he used to
1: come watch us? Yeah, I remember him coming because Ed had told us that that he and Bob were going to work together and launch a promotion. And they were looking for talent. And we're just like, we want to get booked. We want to get booked. Yeah. And they again, said there was going to be the show in October. And if we were interested, we could be on the show. He couldn't guarantee us money, but he would pay us according to the gate. And again, to be fair, I think he did. Yeah. It was a pretty small gate. I think the pay was fair. And yeah, he he wasn't a great promoter or a great wrestler, but the dude was honest and gave us our first booking, man. Always be grateful for that. Well, and once again, in my top 10,
0: you know, promoters list, I put him down there because he was the guy that, listen, we're talking about how there's, you know, we were standouts or whatever, but at the time we were just jobbers, little kids out of a training camp. He gave us our first match and he didn't, he didn't rip us off. Like you said, I mean, I think that first, I'll pull the stats up, but I think that first match probably had, I don't know, in my mind's eye, I think I had it written for 135. There's probably half of that there maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. But like you said, it wasn't like he made a huge windfall and, and our $30 payoff was anything less than, than we should have gotten. We probably got exactly what we, we... we He probably could have given us 20 bucks, and we wouldn't have known the difference.
1: Well, yeah. And at the time, $50 was sort of the industry standard for shows. But like, if there was 150 people in there, we did great. And there was, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us on the show. And we were low rung on the totem pole. So I think 30 bucks was more than reasonable i certainly don't think he screwed us
0: yeah i have it written for uh 130 is what i had written down here so 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 what i wrote down from, from this very day uh, from from that moment to this day was the date the number of the match who it was against where it was what the finish was uh what the crowd was approximately the payoff up to a certain point and then how many stars the match was how many stars did you give us? Uh, I gave us two and a half stars. Oh, there you go. Which I don't think is too far off because at the time, here's another thing that people will probably get a kick out of it. Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer newsletter. Ed Langley used to get it, and when we first started hearing, like, what what is this? Like behind the scenes wrestling talk. Like, and it used to come on a that, like, bing, bing, and he photocopied it, and that's what you got. It was like written like a school, like a school newspaper or something like that.
1: Yeah, it was it was like unheard of. It was like, what is this? And it became really handy because it it you know let you know what all the different because we didn't have the internet, so it's like it let you know that there was promotions starting or right. stopping. And because yeah, Lori Mills, who was the local right, Calgary Roy boxing Mills. and wrestling commissioner guy, <laughs> he, he subscribed to it and he would give a copy to Ed. And I would get Ed to get a copy to me. And
0: then you and I would would, would, would swap each episode to read each issue or whatever it
1: was. Yeah, to find out. Because that's how we found out that, you know, it was through the Observer that I found out about Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Do you remember when we we sent an audition tape to Global Wrestling yes. in, in Texas trying to get into their tag team tournament? We sent it to Bill Eady. He was the booker at the time. And we sent it in like the legitimate post office post. And the dude actually wrote us back. Yeah.
0: He did too. That that's that's a great point. And I remember getting a letter and being so excited. He's like, you know, thanks for reaching out, but I just don't have anything available for you right now. Like, you know, two guys from Calgary flying to, to Dallas or whatever the hell it was. But the fact that he took the time and this is not emails, kids. This is actually getting a piece of paper, writing it down. Licking the the thing, putting the stamp on, and putting it into a mailbox, so it took a little bit of effort there.
1: Yeah, he could have totally just thrown our stuff in the trash, and I think he even like put us over and wished us luck. Like he was a really nice dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which which is really cool.
0: Um, so so we get this booking, and now we've got our, our boots, we've got our tights, uh, and we find out that the show is in. We haven't mentioned this yet. It's in Pinoca, Alberta, uh, at the at the Pinoca Moose Hall. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> And you got you got to send me that picture, too, that you superimposed when I was there.
1: And then a couple months later, you went there and you superimposed us together. Oh, that's right. You were coming yeah. back from a concert in Edmonton. Ed- and you yeah. st- you stopped by and had to picture yourself out front. And I was going to Edmonton a month or two later for a local show. And I stopped by and I tried to do a photo with my arm out like I have it around your shoulder. <laughs> and then I took the photo and I had, had to copy your photo with me. So my the my buddy that was taking the photo was looking at it and trying to put me in the right spot so I'd be standing <laughs> beside you, and then I was hoping someone could Photoshop it together and make it look like we were standing up front. But you did that though, yeah, and it it didn't turn out too bad. I remember you
0: yourself, photoshopped yourself about three inches taller though. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've got our uh, we, we're at the Pinocchio Moose Hall, which is a city a, t- a city a, a town. A Hamlet maybe Uh, in Western Canada it's in Alberta and it's in between Calgary and Edmonton more importantly between Red Deer and Edmonton I believe right it's on the other side of Red Deer
1: just the other side of Red Deer
0: yeah yeah so it's it's a really small town but that's where Bob puppets had his his company was the Canadian wrestling connection and um, so we have our tights we have our gear uh, and the match is gonna be uh, Chris versus Lance opening contest uh, scientific battle two good guys Right. Uh, but we have to think of names. <laughs> yes. Which was super hard trying to think of a name. Let's start with you first. How did you go from Lance Evers to, to Lance T. T. Storm? Uh, yes. Everybody loves the T. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My memory is that we were in like Ed's car and it was more a case of like, I couldn't think of anything because I'm not really creative in that front. And I don't know who it was, whether it was you, Ed, me. Brad Younger who mentioned storm. And I remember at the time not liking it because to me, it sounded too fake and made up. Right. But it's one of those where, well, do you have anything else? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I don't even remember who wanted. Cause my real middle initial is T it's Lance Timothy Evers is my full name. And someone had joked about putting the T in there. And I think it was Ed joke. Well, yeah, because a T can stand for thunder, (laughs) which then over the years went to the T stands for thunder. Yes. Although never at any point on any show did the T ever actually stand for anything, (laughs) but it does for probably the first six months of my career appear on programs. So it, it was there. But, yeah, it was just a case of I couldn't think of anything. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And in the back of my mind, it's like Hulk Hogan wasn't Hulk Hogan in his first match. It's like, it's not going to matter. I am going to change this stupid name when I think of something I like. And then I started, develop- well, I started developing goodwill yeah. with the name because, like you say, we started making ground really quick. And, you know, the promoters in Canada started knowing who I was and the boys started liking working with Lance Storm. I'm like, I can't change the name now. And yeah, 30 years later, it's still Lance Storm. I did drop the T, but other than that.
0: Did you ever have any other backup names like in the back of your head? Like any, anything that you were thinking of?
1: The only thing I remember asking like my, my buddies in high school, like all my idiot wrestling friends that I had in high school, when I told them I was coming out here, they all started pitching names. And I know one of them had pitched like the human hurricane as a gimmick name. And, of course, if I'd have gone with that, you've, you've got to use the scorpions, right, for your entrance. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I, I had nothing because I was never I was never a gimmick guy that was creative on that front. So I, I really didn't have any plans or ideas, and Lance Storm stuck. I remember at one point in time,
0: maybe this is a year or two later, you were toying with wearing a mask and having a bodysuit,
1: and you are going to call yourself the Star Child. Okay, I, I wouldn't have remembered the name, but I do remember... It would have been 92, probably when we split up as a team, I started, and again, I'd seen Liger at this point and he had the bodysuit. So I started, you know, with a pen and paper, starting to scribble and draw ideas and designs. And since I was a math guy, I kind of stuck to geometric shapes and so forth. Anything I could do with a straight line, because I have no artistic ability. (laughs) And yeah, I had had a mask that had a star over the one eye, and I don't know whether... I came up with Star Child, or maybe you saw it, and it's like that's the Star Child's makeup, dude.
0: Yeah, no, I think you said Star Child. If the way I remember it is that you thought of Star Child. I was like, you can't use that. That's Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley's the Star Child. You can't be the Star Child in wrestling. You're like, why not? I'm like, uh, I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if you remember. And I stopped doing it after guys started taking shitty bumps for me. But I used to do oh, the drop, yeah. drop kick with the backflip that I called the star kick. Yes, I don't know why? But it was you know a really sweet drop kick, but. I needed guys to delay their bump a half right. a second, so I could get yeah. push push off them to get the flip. And the last time I ever tried it was against the Santa Monica Flash in the Calgary show at the Silver Dollar, and the dude did the fadeaway bump where he pulled up short, so I wouldn't hit him. And I kicked at him for the push, oh. didn't get it. Come straight down on my head, and at that point decided to stick to the regular drop kick. The Santa Monica Flash in freaking Alderside, Alberta. Yes, who was actually, I believe, the brother of Earthquake Muldoon, the guy oh. I won my first title from.
0: And, and we'll get to that, man. So the story of my name is, is I, I had my name ready to go. Uh, do you remember what it was? Uh, Jack Action. Yes, of course. So Jack Action uh, is a—and by the way, this year on my cruise, we did a dress as Your Favorite Wrestler Night and actually got a Jack Action costume made and got, had, had a mullet and— <laughs> I'll send you the picture. It looked like a a 1989 Rockers outfit. I actually sent it to my seamstress late. I said, make this, but a a different version with the mullet. So Jack Action did get uh, a moment in the sun. But um, I I was trying to think of a name. Of course, Action Jackson was a name. And there's a song by a band called Wasp called Jack Action. And I'm like, that's perfect, jack action. Or either that or sounds like something you'd find at a porn shop or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you popped me with that one so i i when i was a kid my cousin ray uh gilby had actually gotten paul stanley's autograph and he had it in a frame and paul stanley signed the y with a star at the end of it so i always signed my name with the star so jack action with the n was the perfect way to put a star at the end so i signed my book that like hundreds and hundreds of times And for some reason, you saw this binder, like a school binder that I had or something.
1: And do you you remember what happened with this? Well, I I remember whether it was when I read the name, but when you said that was a name you were going to use, having no filter like I never do, (laughs) just blurt out the first thought in my head. And I'm like, you can't use that. That's terrible. And you were, I think, a little bit disappointed.
0: Well, I think I think the way I remember it was a little bit different where you're like, what are you writing there? I'm like, oh, it's Jack Action. Like, are you going to call yourself that? And the way you said it, I was just like, uh, I don't know. And you're like, that's, that's terrible. It's a terrible name. Hey, Ed, what's this <laughs> terrible name? Hey, Lenny, or whatever, right? And I was like, no, no, that's, yeah, that's stupid. So then I had to think of a name. And I literally it was one of those things like you had, like, okay, you know, the, the programs are getting made tomorrow. What's your name? And I was driving my 76 Valari, which you know very well. And on the front uh, passenger side, there was a cassette by a band called Halloween. And the album is called Walls of Jericho. And I had thought about Jericho before because there was a Teen Titans character called Jericho who's the worst comic book character ever. He's a mute and he's got hair like Garfunkel. Uh <laughs> And his his superpower is that he can like transfer into different people's bodies and
1: whatever the hell he can do with it. But- All the kids are like, "Who's Garfunkel?" <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So so Jericho kind of was in the back of my head for that. So I said, "Well, what about Chris Jericho?" And I, th- I said that I think it's like, well, "What about Chris Jericho?" And once again, you you held the fate of my name in your
1: hand. <laughs> Had you not liked Jericho, I may be something else. Yeah, and again, the other thing that will play into this is. Ed liked it because he was insistent on making you a cowboy. And he thought Jericho sounded Western. Western Westerny, right. Westerny. Do you remember why he wanted to make you a cowboy? I don't. goes back to The Observer and Ed's lack of reading comprehension. Benoit at the time was working in Japan as the Pegasus kid. But Ed misread The Observer and thought he was the Pecos kid. And thought Chris Benoit was doing a cowboy gimmick, and he thought you could too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I remember when when Bob Puppets came to kind of evaluate us, we were taking bumps. I remember uh, he loved the f- he loved your top rope bump to the floor. Or was that mine that he loved? I think it was your. T- you took a you took a bump over the top rope to the floor, and he loved that. And he loved the fact that I looked like Benoit's brother. He said we could call him Rob Benoit. So he loved your. Athletic ability and love the fact that I vaguely resembled Benoit.
1: <laughs> oh, tremendous. Well, you were Chris, and You were from, you were Canadian. You had- yeah.
0: Canadian. Yeah, exactly. So the Pecos kids. So there you go. So we get the programs right before we start talking about the actual match and the program comes out, which, which Lance will posted. It's a blue piece of paper. Once again, a little bit better than the wrestling observer, something out of high school. And it says, uh, uh Chris, I'm going to look at this right now and find out exactly, uh, what I'm billed at here. Uh, it is Chris Jericho with no H, Bob Puppets never put an H in my name, says so J-E-R-I-C-O, 220 pounds from Casper, Wyoming. And the <laughs> Casper is spelled with a K. <laughs> I spelled both of them wrong. Where are yeah. you from and your name. And your name. And I did not know uh, that I was going to be from Casper, Wyoming. So when I saw the program, it was the first time that I was basically informed that I was definitely going to be a cowboy. And I was mortified. I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm not, I don't like cowboys. I don't, I never like cowboy gimmicks. I don't like cowboy movies. I don't like cowboy music. So I remember just being despondent and like, I was trying to think, well, what kind of music can I use? And there was a song at the time called Texas Twister by a band called little feet. That's kind of had like a, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of cowboy rock and roll. Maybe I can use that for music. And so I was talking to Brett Como, who was one of our early friends back in those days. And I said, they want me to be a cowboy. What am I going to do? And Como with the classic, like, you know, Como, like, whatever, man. Like, it's like, well, don't do it. And I was like, why do you don't do it? I'm like, I have a choice. <laughs> Just don't do it. Can you imagine anywhere else if the opening match, first match guy said he didn't want to
1: do something? Yeah, although would you consider how experienced the promoter was? It's like, it's probably fair game. But I also remember you when they said that. I think it was, you know, Ed mentioned the cowboy thing and then we like went to the bathroom, whatever, and you're like, dude, I don't want to be a cowboy. It's like, I'll quit before I'm a cowboy. (laughs) I'm like, we haven't even had a match yet and you're ready to quit for being a cowboy? But I, I think Ed wanted you to use uh, Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. You know, once again, and I always had, like you mentioned earlier, I always had a vision for what's
0: good entrance music and what's a cool music. And, and I was much more of a metal guy. I was thinking much more of, like, Ultimate Warrior and, and, you know, something a little bit more pounding. And I think I think at the time I used Poison, uh, Unskinny Bop. Uh, <laughs> Which, not exactly the heaviest, but but think about the song. Get back to it Don't don't, 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 don't. You come out to that, you know, it's, it's kind of got a, a pounding beat to it. So there, I had a whole full idea of what I wanted to do in my mind. So Wanted Dead or Alive, is like you walk out and it's like coming out to Freebird, nothing happens for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, I don't even remember what I
1: used. It's it's. I was always so much more worried about the nuts and bolts of things. Right. Although the other thing too, that I think people today won't, Come to terms with. It's like again, we knew ahead of time. Like we trained in camp for two months yes. together. We knew a month ahead of time we were wrestling, and we didn't yeah. plan our match. We didn't. We had two spots. Really, we had the spot, the infamous one that they used on the you know the video on Raw when you were reverse, building to Shawn Michaels reverse victory roll spot. Yeah, the backflip off the top rope, the reverse victory roll, and then we had another spot which doesn't actually happen in the match, where. Really? I was going to hip toss you. You were going to block it, switch it on me. I'd block it. You'd hit me in the stomach, do the X-Pac backflip off the back of my head.
0: And then you would 10 years
1: years before (laughs) X-Pac. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. And then you'd do the, yeah, because you probably stole it from Owen. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Then you'd hip toss me and I'd punch a front flip and we'd land and we'd stand off. And when we get to the match, you'll see two or three shitty hip tosses. Because <laughs> I called There's... hip toss spot really quickly as I threw you off the ropes, and you didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> so you took a hip toss, and I didn't really even throw it. And those were the only two spots we had planned.
0: Wow, I did not know that at all, man. I had no idea. Which is funny because once again, and and, and you know this isn't you know Waldorf and Statler sitting there bearing today's wrestling, but. Anybody else knowing that they had a 10-minute draw or 50-minute draw or whatever it was for their first match would have that damn thing planned out when, when all we had was an was a open wrestling ring and nothing but time. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't put together more, but that's just not how it was back then. No,
1: I, I think like my memory is like I felt like we were like skipping school or cheating on a test mm. by even planning that much. Yeah, you're right. You just you didn't plan stuff. You showed up and you wrestled. So it was like. I felt like if we plan more than this, they'll realize we did it, and we'll get in trouble for cheating. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and once again, that's just how it was. Then you were expected to to call it in the ring, and you know, especially coming out of wrestling school, that's what we were trained to do. So the fact that we had a couple fancy spots planned out, you know, was probably one of the reasons why we were in the spot we were. But if we do too much more than that we would we, we would never even have thought of that. you You just didn't do that back then. You didn't put together the whole match in the back. Nobody did,
1: yeah. and and the fact that again, we're not it's not a spoiler because you mentioned. It, it's the fact that we had a draw. It's like we didn't even have a finish. I, I remember us thinking when we get down to the last couple of minutes, let's try to go for as many pins as we can. It's like that was our game plan,
0: yeah. It was just, with, tried to do some pins. Went by so fast. But, um okay, so you, do you remember anything about the day of the show? How did you get there? Do you
1: remember anything about that? Because I remember exactly. I don't. I assume I either rode with you or Ed. But other than that, I have no idea.
0: I think you rode with Ed because I remember going to Como's house. And Como used to live in, like, you know, a surfer. Well, there's no surfers in Calgary, but kind of a Spicoli, you know, weed den with three or four people living there. And Lozanski came in met us, and Luzansky had a girl with him. Uh, uh, shocker, he always had a girl with him. And Lozanski drove his Cadillac or whatever the hell he had. Uh, Lozanski and his girl in the front, me and Como in the back. And I remember the uh, album Warrant Cherry Pie had just come out uh, about a month before, a couple weeks before, and Lozanski driving the, the road singing uh, Cherry Pie. He had no singing ability whatsoever. She's my Cherry Pie, yeah! And just being super into it, and me and Como would just sit in the back like, "Holy shit!"
1: Didn't Leszcz <laughs> also when he had like the new song that he loved, he would just play that one song over and over and over yes, again.
0: Over and over and over and over again. Yes, he would. And the thing was, I don't think I'm looking right now. Mike wasn't even on that card, so maybe Mike wasn't driving. But he, I, I specifically remember going to Como, so maybe that was another show and Como drove. But whatever it may be, but yeah, Leszcz would play the same song over and over and over again. Is it possible he just came to the show to hang out? He I think he did. Fun. I have I think, memories of yeah. him
1: being there. I think it was a case because he was working regularly at the Silver Dollar, the mm-hmm. main Calgary show, which we weren't allowed right, to be on.
0: Right, 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 right. So this is like an outlaw show. So I think I think he did drive us down and just come and hang out to just to be there.
1: Yeah, I think he sort of had a curiosity to see how we do and whether this show was going to be one that he wanted to get booked on because – i've got some of the later posters and he's on the shows subsequently so i think he was just checking out the new promotion and checking out the new kids out the new kids so uh it's the canadian wrestling connection
0: we are what the universe has been waiting for it says right there on the front cover uh the big uh the big uh, looks like the big brawl match was earthquake muldoon and lee versus shane croft and bob the judge brian who was bob puppets and uh, like he true great small-time promoter, put himself in the main event. <laughs> yep. Do you
1: remember that he wore a mask and why? No. He, he wore a mask and it was because he was off work milking uh, workman's compensation. He had taken a bump at work at, so he'd had time off to promote these shows and since this was going to air on local cable access television, he didn't want his face on TV because if someone at workman's comp saw him taking bumps in the ring, they'd realize <laughs> he should be at, at his regular job. Oh, my gosh, that's so great. And this is pre-internet, people.
0: Only people that saw this show, like you said, it was on uh, local TV, but there was nobody filming it on their cell phones. Uh, So the card that night, the announcer was Hurricane Heath Brown. And the uh, first match was a junior mid-heavyweight best of three falls. Brett Como, who is a good friend of ours to this day, versus Brad Young and uh Brad was 182 and Como was 180 which surprised me because most of the time they would ask Como what he weighed and what would he
1: say Lance? No, Brad was the one who would always oh. say two, 2 pounds more than Como cuz Como didn't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> so there you go. Brad's 182 and Como's 180. <laughs> I just reconnected with Brad on uh, on Instagram. Yeah, no, I've I've run into him uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook and he came down to the school at one point and stuff. That's he's cool. uh, he actually just had shoulder surgery so he's recouping from that.
0: Well, and Brad Young was the guy who basically was our instructor because Ed was kind of the boss, but Ed kind of sat out and Brad took all the bumps with us and kind of worked with us. He was a a little bit smaller than we
1: were, but he was really, really good. Very fast, very, very
0: classic Calgary fast style wrestler.
1: Yeah, it's it's a shame for both Hickey and Como that the business hadn't uh, shrunk yet. Mm. They they were a decade early for their size because, yeah, both were really talented. Yeah, K.O. ended up in Japan with us as the Black Dragon,
0: which he still wears the costume. You know, twenty-five years later, it's getting kind of ratty, but he still wears it. Uh, Thirty-minute time. The next match is Rick Titan versus Les Thornton, and both of those guys aren't with us anymore. I think Les passed away too, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Although Les would
1: have been old at the time, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I'm pretty and sure of he's course,
0: gone. Big Titan, our, our good friend for many years, worked in Japan. And at this point in time, like when 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 Rick passed away, I was like, man, in the
1: first five years of my career. Rick was everywhere you
0: know he was with us
1: everywhere yeah for sure but he he was also like I, we mentioned that you know we were like the you know the guys that were in shape and it's like Titan was the guy that it was like oh man this guy could yes. be a star like this you know he was yeah. I, again, he said he was six eight but he was probably at least six 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 seven you know probably 260 to 290 depending on the year and it's like he was a big impressive looking dude
0: he wasn't especially once again back in 1990 there wasn't a lot of those guys around so you would see on some of those posters and programs it would say the titan 6-8 you know 2 seventy five. where people would see that on a poster and go holy smokes let's go see this giant yeah imagine how big he'd be today Jeez, right exactly yeah and then we have uh, uh the haircut match with randy rudd versus steve gillespie who uh, will be our one of our opponents in the second match And, and I I was, I was like working Randy Rudd. He was, he was a meat and potatoes guy, nice guy, but he was,
1: he could put on a, you could put on a solid match with him from what I recall. Yeah. No pun intended. Right. (laughs) Randy was a little on the snug side.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: You you knew you were getting hit when you were getting hit by Randy Rudd, but, but yeah, he was, he was a solid meat and potatoes guy and he would do whatever you needed. So yeah, I worked with him a lot too. Then you had the main event, uh, the
0: Capital Punishment, which was Bob the Judge under a mask. Shane Croft versus Earthquake Muldoon and Lee Baracci. Get it? Lee Baracci. And then the main event is a Royal Rumble, which I believe is part of what we'll talk about later on as well. Uh, But nestled on the card, third, uh, with the 15-minute time limit, it's Chris Jericho uh, versus Lance Storm. So if you guys are uh, uh, watching along with us, uh, once again, go to the uh, Chris Jericho YouTube channel and click on uh, the match, and we will get started. In three, two, one, go. We've turned the uh, the uh, commentary down a bit. Oh, here we go. I'm five pounds heavier than you. I see that Chris Jericho, no H. That still drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see we're kind of like in a it looks like a beer hall like
1: kind of a veterans hall or something yep and and i didn't have this singlet made to wrestle i had it made before that just to just to wear that just to have i used to go to the university weight room and lift in it <laughs> just just to heat <laughs> to dare someone to say something
0: and let me say right now that uh, ed langley is our referee which is the equivalent of pat patterson being the ref in uh Hogan and uh, and Piper and Ali and uh, Mr T and you've got to make sure that you got somebody that can help you call the match just in case.
1: <laughs> oh, my
0: footwork's terrible. Yeah, you, there we go. You, you, you throw, oh, was a big, big head scissor off the top or not the head scissor was pushing off the top? That was a big move back then.
1: Yes, the big headlock takedown from the corner that was big.
0: How, how much of this match did we directly steal from Owen Hart?
1: You know, <laughs> whether it was indirectly or directly, probably a right. lot.
0: And here you are. I-, I was totally hoping that you would lead the match. I think I was always a little bit scared back in these days to start. Big tackle, drop down, land storm, leapfrog, hip toss. There you go. Yeah, a good one this time. Wait till you see the others. Arm drag there. Oh, terrible bump. You always hated the fact. I remember you always said I have to I always have to pull my knee pads up. That always bothered you. <laughs> I eventually switched to kick pad so I didn't have to. Yeah. You always were so technically gifted, though. Like everything you do when you do it, you always have a little bounce afterwards. It used to piss
1: me off. Like, you're so <laughs> good. You do this little bounce afterwards. It's funny how, like, Used to piss me off all the personality things you did. Like again, <laughs> like you actually looked at the crowd and made noise, and I just thought you were like this char- charisma god. It's just like, oh my god, it's just such a natural. <laughs>
0: so there that's a good you don't see that much the fireman carry takeover, takedown. Especially when done that poorly. <laughs> <laughs> my yes, tail's are- not blonde yet, though. No, but you do have a tail. And I love the fact that you're wearing your actual weightlifting out. Like what a
1: what a jack off you were to to, to train in that oh I, I and it was just strictly i think part of it was i wanted to come out of my shell because i knew i had to go out in front right. of people and i'm such an introvert but also too part of it was to see if anyone had the balls to say anything to me in the weight room did they ever there was one dude that did made just the most <laughs> smart ass comment and they popped me <laughs> it's like i, I put him over
0: then I give you the, see if you notice too. I remember if you, if you saw earlier, guys, is I, I put Lance's arm down, did the classic, do the, 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 the knee drop into the arm. And I remember I asked somebody, I just said, uh, uh, I did it and some kid went, do it again. And I couldn't believe that somebody actually wanted me to do it again. I was, I remember thinking if that's saying, this one's for you, kid, right there. Like, yeah, 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 I'll do it again. The only leg drop I've ever done too, probably right there. <laughs> you hated the leg drop hate him and you can, you were so good at him I used to just hate it but <laughs> once again two baby faces exchanging holds working the arm it's it's pretty technically proficient you know I wouldn't I don't have any problems with this match right now so far is this the one no look at that
1: backdrop oh hit the ropes we used to, because, again, it goes back to our being fans of the Rockers. It's like we always used to compete to see who could take the big backdrop because yeah. we were such marks for how great Sean and Marty were at them.
0: We were always good at backdrops, too. That's one thing that both of us could do really well. As you throw them in the corner, almost fall. Big, lay, uh, big monkey flip here. Woo! <laughs> Once again, nothing wrong with this match. Grab the
1: hold again. But I think the biggest thing is, because, again, this was 30 years ago. Right. This is like nonstop action for a wrestling match 30 years ago. Yes, good point. The fact that we just athletically did things constantly, you know, made it an exciting match. I always contended that other than Brad and and Brett, we were the second best match on the show, which is more of an indictment of the show. But (laughs) yeah, but once again, though, like you said, we we definitely had great chemistry
0: because we were both good athletes and we both loved wrestling, you know, And, and like I said, I mean, this is probably the equivalent of watching, you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus the Young Bucks. Now you're like, I can't believe all the stuff they're doing. This is ridiculous. But all the stuff we're doing are arm drags and suplexes, and you know, all that, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and did a did a big monkey flip.
0: Yeah, exactly. I like that uh, float over you did off the suplex too. That was nice. See, this, once again, this is a guy in his first his first match doing a float over on a
1: suplex. When we started, you for some reason, you didn't always want to do the sunset flip because everybody did. So you'd always, whenever I called the sunset flip, you'd do a jumping schoolboy just to be different. That's why I beat Black Magic in the, the, the first fall of
0: our two out of three falls match for the title in Monterey, Mexico. There you go. He did the same thing. He, I did that one. He was like, what are you, wh- wh- what are you doing? <laughs> and now we kind of get into, uh, you know, just holds, exchanging the holds. You don't have the blonde rat tail, but I have my terribly dyed blonde hair that I used with uh like L'Oreal hair dye that almost fried my hair and killed it for many years to come.
1: <laughs> they had great mullets back in the
0: day. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So this is being filmed right now for like cable access TV. Is that what
1: it's for? Yeah, I don't remember what, but yeah, the local cable access from central Alberta and Hurricane Heath Brown, the guy that's calling it. Oh, oh. I remember this being so stiff. Oh, the drop kick, Great a sternum. <laughs> that was the, the the front
0: leapfrog and the back leapfrog. Like once again, this first match, this is actually not too bad, man. I've seen worse matches over the last week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, no, it was it, it was it was great. But yeah, Hurricane Heath Brown became a major uh, sports broadcaster in college. Really? Yeah, I remember him always being a pretty nice guy. Yeah, he came to the school when I opened up and did a, a piece on the school because he was the main sports guy for CTV here. Did you remember being the uh the first oh, yeah. uh,
0: commentator? If you notice that how you how Lance just kicked out there, you actually scissored your legs, which is just a little thing, but it you know, it's 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 far more advanced than any guy in his first match has any right to to
1: to to have, you know? Do you to think beat. anybody in the crowd at this moment today knows that they saw your debut? Like they may not care about mine, but they'd certainly care about yours. I would say, I would say there's people out there, oh, is this the reverse victory roll up and over? head scissor,
0: and that right there, ladies and gentlemen, the reverse victory roll, followed by a pin, you'd never seen that anywhere. <laughs> and this clip made like a WrestleMania buildup. That's right. For WrestleMania uh, 19, I believe, with me and Sean, I used that exact clip and showed it in tandem with his. But I think he did a backflip from the top, right? Or did he do the up and over? No, you he did a backflip, I think. Gotcha. I wasn't at that point yet. I was never good at backflips at the top. You were always much better than I was at
1: top. Well, you did them.
0: I cried. <laughs> I bailed half the time though. So
1: I remember. We- oh, here we go. What's we got going? Is this here the now? one? This might be the start of the. Yeah, there's the sh- the crappy hip toss because it was but supposed even, to be a spot. Even that's not bad though. If you just would have kept going, but nope. And I'm like nope. Now do I probably just call it again right now? We'll probably like, just what? do another one right
0: now. I'm like, what the hell is this guy thinking? Okay, I'll do another oh, one. No, oh, you drop kick. There you
1: go. I was smarter than I thought.
0: You know, and what, you know, like I said, I mean, I don't want to keep putting ourselves over, but there's a lot of hesitation and trepidation and, but you're still selling everything.
1: Nobody's rushing, you know, and we're making this up as we go along. That's
0: something I, too. I remember you called that. I remember you called a small package and I was so impressed that you called something like, like a small package. Cause I think you're still trying to figure out how to get out of this up spot.
1: Here, here comes the second. We're going to do it again. Do the have uh, hot spot.
0: <laughs> he must be thinking, what the hell, there you go, leg drop to the head. What were you thinking right now? Like, come on, dude. Oh, probably that you were just like the dumbest guy in the world.
1: <laughs> like, how could he not know this spot that I'm thinking?
0: <laughs> Big slam there. Oh, top rope coming. Wow, I don't remember this. That is a good question. I wonder if anybody there realizes that they saw Lance Storm and Chris Jericho's first match. Somebody must remember.
1: Oh, nice. crossbody from the top. Someone had to have stayed a wrestling fan and realize. wait a minute, I think I saw those guys.
0: Yeah, like I would say if you go to a wrestling show in Pinocchio, you're some, you're actually some kind of a fan that would follow wrestling on TV and would know that the Calgary guys, which ones they are. So I'm sure if there's anybody out there, and, and, and don't just lie, if you really did see this, uh, hit us up on Twitter and we'll give you a, a prize of, of a pat on the back and a retweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a retweet. There you go.
0: Big money. So I don't know where we are in the time. Is this a 10-minute draw or 15 minutes? Do you
1: recall? Uh-huh. The, it said 15 minutes on the screen, but I think it goes 12. Okay, it's one of those ones. We might be getting close to it here. Hip toss. Oh, thank you. Nope. <laughs> oh, Crucif- There you <laughs>
0: go. You're smart enough to give up on that. We were laughing the other day about how you always hated the fact that
1: Jason Anderson used the crucifix as a finish. Yes, because he would call it as he whipped the guy off the ropes and the guy would reverse it and get cruci- uh, crucifixed. <laughs> Hoping that he would reverse the whip. All right, now we're down him into him. the last bit. We're trying to just think of stuff. We got to make pins. Oh, we gotta right, make right. pins. We had
0: no plan, guys. We had no plan at all for the end of this match. Just kick you right to the ropes, F- you. <laughs> <laughs> Bump into the
1: ropes, dude. <laughs> oh. Yep. Now we're just. Someone's <laughs> got to take charge. Now it's just floating away. Yeah. Maybe this is why they trimmed three minutes off our match.
0: We're now at the actual ten minute mark uh of this match according to the counter. So and, and I think like you said, I think we 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 went through all of our moves we learned in camp. We kinda, I think I still
1: have a belly to belly coming. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's a good move that a lot of people don't use nowadays. No, and guys that have a good one, it's impressive. That wasn't mm-hmm. a great one. It was okay. I think Jeff Cobb does one. Move. Obviously, that's kind of his gimmick, you know? I always thought Owen had a phenomenal belly to belly. Yeah. Game.
0: Hey, let's be honest, man. Owen had a phenomenal everything. <laughs> yeah, really, when you think about it. Yeah, he was he was great on the mat and in the air. You want to talk? Oh, look at that one. The little flippity flippity do. That's called you you called the helicopter spin there.
1: Whoa. I <laughs> Wonder what I did call. We'll probably just do it here now. Oh, the dive back crossbody. There you go. Oh.
0: I think I'm just holding on for dear life right now. If it wasn't for you, I would have fallen apart by this point. <laughs> just like can we end this, please? Oh.
1: Get in them fancy small packages. There you go.
0: Oh, so they, they just called a minute left in the match, and I'm going to slam you. Big splash. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate Warrior got nothing on that. There you go. Yeah, like you said, you can tell that we, we are working this match around the clock, not the other way around. We're just trying to do whatever we can to finish it off. Stay busy and look like you're trying to win. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what they told us. Stay busy and look like you're trying to win. And that's it. That's my big
1: dive. To avoid taking the bump at the bell. (laughs) Exactly. Even back then, I was uh, too smart for that, brother. Yeah, Because I'd called a clothesline, and then the bell rang when you hit the ropes, and you're like, nope. And there you go. Winner, draw. Chris Jericho
0: with no H and Lance Storm. But they left off the T, so. Well, they took out your H and and my T, so. (laughs) Exactly. Um and there you go. So I, okay, so I will say this first off. I remember after that was over, just thinking like, holy shit, I can't believe it. Like, I, I can't believe how amazing that was. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, and the fact that we, I think it was the equivalent of like maybe the first time I ever did a Fozzie show, or if you're the, a comedian or something, where you actually get through it and not screw up at all. And not bomb. Yeah. I remember, I remember just being so proud of us and just being so excited. Like this, we did it. We can actually do this. This was real.
1: Did you, did you feel that way? Yeah. I remember being really excited. And, and I remember, I think I even mentioned to you that I just couldn't believe how charismatic, like you're like Hulk Hogan out there. You're playing yeah. the it crowd. <laughs> it's like, like Hulk Hogan. It's like, well, that's maybe a little exaggeration, but yeah. But yeah. You- you really did say that. That's an exact quote I remember you saying. But that's how I felt because it was, you know, it was amazing. We, you know, there was people, it was, it was so much fun. And like you say, we didn't screw up. The promoter thought we did a good job. And by my standards and the standards of the rest of the show, you had a lot of charisma.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember too, like if you remember, we we didn't talk about this, but the, the, the ring was downstairs and there was a flight of stairs up to where the dressing room was. And when we went back up through there and, and the other guys were changing there, I remember you and I were talking just like we were talking right now. And I don't remember if it was you or me, but both of us still, even at this point, also had the wherewithal of like, let's go around the corner and, you know, pat each other on the back away from everybody else because everyone was kind of looking at us. And of course, I'm sure a couple guys said, oh, that was good. or but Most people aren't going to say shit if they watched it at all. Two green guys having the first match. But I remember both of us like realizing like we shouldn't be like – you know, blowing each other here in front of the rest of the dressing room, because that's probably not the right thing to do, you know? No, literally or figuratively.
1: (laughs) But yeah, we were smart enough to know, don't mark out for yourself too big in front of everybody. But I also remember at the time, because like we said, you didn't choreograph matches and stuff. I remember thinking or being told that two guys having their first match is seldom booked. Because a promoter wouldn't oh. trust two guys that have never, ever worked to go out there. Because again, this is still kayfabe era. We can't just go out there and crap the bed and freeze and expose the business. Right, 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 right. So the fact that it was two guys that had never, ever worked out there to do that. And we got through it. And, and we, again, we still had, because we were in the Royal Rumble main event, we still had more to do. But it was like we had succeeded. We were professionals. Well, and, and like you said,
0: too, I mean, you know, once again, we're, we're talking about 130 people and Bob Puppets and, and having a little bit of a laugh. But but once again, at the time, like Bob's trying to build his business. We, we're trying to get a job like, you know, and, and at those times they were always talking. And, and God bless him. It's just how it was. We're going to do, you know, a 30 day tour across Alberta, you know, in the summer or whatever. So we were like, we have to do good. We, we, we had a lot at stake here because guess I think I think our second match was booked at this point because it was very close afterwards uh yes it was october 10th so it was just over a week away but other than that we had no other bookings we had two bookings this one and the next one
1: yeah and i remember at the time that was always a big thing with me because you always you don't have the confidence back then but it's like if i didn't have the date for the next booking yet it's like i was always really uncomfortable it's like you wanted to have that next one and i think I think by our second match, Bob had announced his second show. So we had our third booking before that. Yes. And I think it was quite a while before I didn't have that next booking. But it's like, if we didn't do good here, it's like, are we going to ever get another booking? So it was, there was a lot of
0: pressure. I I remember that too, Lance. I remember us always like, do we have one in the chamber? Like, and I think, like, is there another one coming up? And that, I think, that's a great point. I remember, I was, I was the same. Like, we have to have another match. And, you know, God forbid that there wasn't one, but we we always at least had something going on. Because there was these guys, Bob Peppers was running, Fred Jung was running, who we worked for in our next match will be on the next show, but there was also Winnipeg started coming up and then CNWA was around. So at least we had those first integral eight to 10 months. We had enough to keep us going to where we just didn't give up and say, well, there's nothing for us here. Let's just go our own ways. You know?
1: Yeah. There was never that point where you felt unemployed. Mm. It's like you had that next booking that you had to train for or get new gear for, or, or what have you, there was always that destination still there rather than just a big sea of, I hope I find an island again.
0: Right, right. Before we wind down here, let's just talk briefly about about the main event of the night, which was the Royal Rumble. Now, this is something that I barely remember anything about, and I know that we've talked about, I know you've seen it quite a few times. I don't think I ever have, but so explain kind of what, what was this, what the story was for the actual main event of the show. Well, there was
1: a, it was a Royal Rumble, and all of the people on the card were in it. I have no memory of anything other than the end and even that, like, I don't know if I've to be honest, I'm not even sure I saved the the whole Royal rumble. I might've just saved from whichever the first of us entered until the end. And I have no memory other than, of course I won. (laughs) And and that's too that I, I I laugh going back. It's like, it reminds me, or it it makes me realize how little they knew. Mm. Like, why wouldn't they have had you just, pull off one of the small packages and won a mm. baby face match. where We just shake hands and people that might've thought that the blonde guy in the yellow tights was cool. won mm. because Good I'm going to win in the main event. Everyone's going to remember the guy in the hot pig singlet that won. We could have both got over rather than doing the draw. That's a great point. I think, I think, I think,
0: and as ludicrous as it sounds that they didn't want to hurt either one of our feelings by have somebody lose the first match, you know, could
1: be, but I, and I remember that at the time it was, they wanted to put over one of the young in shape guys. You or me because Titan was a heel mm-hmm. and Ed liked me better. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just it. Like, let's be honest. Ed liked me better. So I was winning. Cause but you it, wore white boots. <laughs> <laughs> I listened. But the big thing too, is like after I won and it was just in the moment I had won, they hit my music. And I just punched a standing backflip, one of the best ones I've ever hit in my life in the middle of the ring. And on the broadcast, as soon as I hit this backflip and stuck it, my name appeared on the screen. And that was the opening and closing clip of every VHS audition tape I sent to everybody for the next five years. And it was just, it was the greatest clip because it had my name where I was from and it had me getting a pop, punching this really good backflip. And the fact that, I so easily could have botched that and fell on my
0: head. <laughs> I remember I felt like uh, Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10 that night. Like I had this great night, great moment, showcase match, just killed it. And then at the end of the show, it's still Lance, the better guy, who's the winner, cutting a f- picture-perfect backflip as his name comes up on screen as I'm sitting in the back after getting thrown out by, you know, Lee Liberace or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh Liberace. Yes. Oh, Do you man. remember what music he'd come to the ring to? Oh, I don't. Dude Looks Like a Lady by uh, oh, Aerosmith. Of course, Aerosmith. He's <laughs> doing the uh, the Liberace gimmick, yeah. <laughs> well, um,
0: amazing, amazing watching that with you, man, and uh, like I said, our 30th anniversary week will continue with, uh, with our very second match, which I don't know if I've ever watched it back, but I remember having a not-the-same... <laughs> The same outcome as this one did. Yes, this this match was. Do you remember we created our safe word? I don't remember the safe word, but you know what? If you guys want to hear the safe word, you're gonna have to come back on Friday when we do the uh, the the next match. So hold that thought. And uh, first, before we go to to, before we end this, I just want to say, listen, man, congratulations on 30 years. It's hard to believe. Like we've been friends for 30 years. That's crazy. Yeah, more than half our lives. Yeah, more than half our lives. And who would have ever thought that night at the Pinocchio Musal that we'd be here 30 years later uh, watching this and congratulating congratulating each other about it. So uh, I wouldn't have wanted to have a first match against anybody else. And I always say this too. If it wasn't for you showing up in Calgary in
1: Okotoks when you did, I might not be here. Uh, today, Yeah, I was I was contemplating heading back to Ontario to find a different wrestling school until you showed up. So, yeah. So, well, dude, uh, congratulations. And uh, as great as, as,
0: as this episode was, I'm really looking forward to the next one. So uh, we'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs> Thanks, man.